Well, hey, here we are again. Much to my surprise, I'm back at it. And only a few hours after I just posted the last episode. So why am I posting again? What's got me going? This whole process is really interesting. Watching this come to life in my head and what I want to say and how I go about doing that. So I found myself really kind of unable to sleep. I mean, obviously, here I am a few hours later. I don't think I fell asleep before 4.30. And yeah, I'm a night owl for sure. But for me to be up a few hours later in the morning, mm, this elastic's going to snap back at some point. Woo! All right, well, let's just see. Uh, I've created a flexible life for just this reason. I understand my own process. I understand that I can't flow in a nine to five. I don't do nine to five. Doesn't mean I'm not working. Sometimes I'm working harder than other people work. I don't even know like what to compare that to, but doing the intellectual work, it's hard folks. And I'm here doing it ahead of you and alongside of you and with you because we're all experiencing this. But what's happening internally is really not... um, not respected in our culture it's it, like if it doesn't if it doesn't make money then you don't really need to do it mm, yeah that's false that's a lie um, I'm gonna go with energy here all of this is energy the thinking is energy money is energy Love is energy. Connection is energy. It's all energy. It's all a currency, if you will. An electrical current. Currency. But what I've found most of us do, most of us are trained to do, is focus on the almighty dollar, the currency. And think that that's where our power comes from. And it does come from there. It's not a lie. But it's not the ultimate power. It's not the ultimate currency. Our thinking is one of the most powerful currencies. And I'm going to say, arguably, I think the most powerful, powerful, good word, Joel, the most powerful currency is love. It's how we reach out. It's how we connect. And it's underutilized in a massive way. But I feel the tides are turning. I feel, I see us coming from a patriarchal society coming back 
to a matriarchal society, one that is based on nature and that natural flow and current, that undercurrent that we've spent so much time dismissing. Mm. Yeah, now we're back to what I said in the last episode about male and female and how we deal with our emotions and the females are typically dismissed for that natural undercurrent. We dismiss ourselves. We learn how to dismiss ourselves. We're taught how to dismiss ourselves and how we are supposed to take care of everybody else but ourselves. And now flip to the fabulous metaphor of the oxygen mask. For those that have been on airplanes, you know, if that oxygen mask drops down, you are to put it on yourself first, because if you are passed out or dead, you're going to be of zero service to those next to you. And those next to you are probably your family members, probably the ones that you love the most. Maybe not. Maybe you fly business class and you're alone most of the time. Either way, you're of no use to anybody if you don't put that oxygen mask on yourself. Which brings me back to the energy of creating this podcast and why I'm here again for the second time in a few hours. Because I'm noticing my own energy. I'm noticing how thrilled I am, how excited I am to be creating, to be putting this out there. I've often said to a lot of people, dude, I need a camera crew. Like people would not believe the shit that I say. They wouldn't believe my day to day. And a lot of the time I'm by myself. I think that that's something that would surprise people. I think that would surprise a lot of people actually to know how much time I spend alone. I mean, I spend a lot of time alone. And most of the time, I'm really good with it. And then there's times that I'm really wanting connection. Because like every other human being, we're hardwired. Hardwired to need connection. Not want it, need it. It is a need. We need each other. We all need each other. And aren't we lucky that we have this technology that we can connect? And I'm going to repeat myself over and over because, yeah, I know I've already said technology is amazing and we can connect across the world in seconds now. We can connect to our friends in Canada, our friends in England, Dubai. Texas, California. I love when I'm that night owl and I realize that, oh my God, I can connect to my friends in Washington and California because they're still awake. It's not an unreasonable hour for them. They're three hours behind me. And then, oh God. Yeah. Those times when I call Dubai thinking, Hey, I haven't talked to my friend Joel in a really long time. And, oh shit. It's 4.30 in the morning and I just woke his ass up. I'm so sorry, dude. Go back to sleep. Mortifying. So sorry. Really need to think ahead. 
wicked. Sorry about that one. But our energy, anyway, back to that. Um, I noticed, like, yeah, the creation is fun. It's hyped. It's like, it's cool to create. And to have an outlet to create. But this is my thing. Words are my thing. Thought is my thing. And I'm going to call myself a recovering overthinker. I don't always overthink anymore. I used to overthink, oh my God, to the point of just trapping myself into this pit of despair. And I mean, pit, like it, it gets really bad. It's gotten really bad. And to realize, and actually through this process, this podcasting process, to realize my own process and to see it in action and then how it's going to relate to you and how you're going to relate because you're going to get to know your own process. And that's what I want this podcast to be. I want you to know yourself because this is really what life is. We are born alone and we die alone. But the thing is, we live alone. I don't care how many people are surrounding you. I don't care how many people you sleep with, are in your bed, are in your household, are in contact with you on the day-to-day. You are alone. And how I know that is what happens, the stories we tell ourselves inside of our heads, they are just that. They are stories we tell ourselves. Here's an example. A friend of mine just started dating again. Yeah, I can sweat just thinking about that. Oh, God. In my 40s and in the dating pool, sort of. In the Cape, I call it a dating puddle. It's really shallow and highly contaminated. It ain't pretty, folks. But there it is. We find ourselves in life doing things we didn't want to do. And how do we navigate that? And what comes up are all of our past experiences. And we live through evidence of what we've already experienced. And we anticipate what might happen according to those experiences. But all kinds of things can happen. I mean, a million other iterations could happen. But we believe, based on the stories of our past experiences, what's going to happen in the future is what's happened in the past. So we put the brakes on. And if we haven't put the brakes on entirely, we're going to throw out saboteur moves like ninjas, like well-educated, like multi-generational ninjas. We are going to throw out those throwing stars of like, get away from me. Oh, or maybe we're going to actually dive in and 
go to that dating site or maybe it's a bar or God only knows. But we're going to put ourselves in the situation and we're going to make it look like we're doing the thing, the dating. Why? To find the person, find our person, be connected, do those things. But are we really connected? Are we really doing those things? Are we just making it look good? Because you're going to present a certain portion of yourself. You're going to make it look good for a certain amount of time. And then those masks are going to fall off. But what happens when you start dating somebody that was already your friend and you didn't have those masks on? But, whoa, those demons from the past, they come up and they are scary in a whole new way. And what are we scared of? We're scared of getting hurt. We're scared of rejection. We're scared of abandonment. And those are our triggers to our original wounds. Now, original wounds is a term you're going to hear me use. It's the thing that happened to us as children. Children that were in a survival period. We're just looking to survive. And we don't even know how to do that because we haven't created all of our skills. We're not fully grown. We're not fully developed. Our brains aren't even fully developed until we're 25. And you know who knew that first? (laughs) The insurance companies. That is why you cannot rent a car until you are 25 years old. They know you're going to do some reckless shit. And they don't want it happening on their dime. So they're hoping, they're laying the bet that the 25 plus year olds are going to have a little bit more of a solid foundation and they're going to do a little less recklessness. But I digress. So the original wounds, those are the things that we experience, the abandonments, the rejections, the, the things that we had no control over and actually might not have even been accurate. They might've been, they might've been incredibly accurate. You might've had a parent die. You might've had a parent leave. And there's the ultimate in abandonment. And you might now have a fear based around that. And you might have developed beliefs around that. And now you're navigating your world through the perspective of that child and that abandonment, that original wound. And so now as you go through your life, you're going to develop relationships. And what you're going to do is you're going to cycle around and you're going to bring back that same cycle, that same wound over and over, but you're going to do it unconsciously. Most of the time it's going to be unconscious. And then we develop these fears and we develop these blockages and the things that cause us to sabotage our relationships and sabotage some really good 
relationships because, oh crap, that feels an awful lot like somebody's going to get close to me. And what do I know? What have I believed? I've believed that I'm going to be abandoned by those that love me because now you're reverting back to that unconscious wound, the one that says, okay, maybe mom died, maybe mom left, got a divorce, something happened, who knows. But inside your little child brain, you decided that those that we love the most leave us. So then, here's somebody that, wow, you're kind of really taking a shine to, and it's kind of cool, and oh crap, and now the triggers come up. No, no, I can't do this. I can't feel this. I can't be this. So what do you do? <sighs> Initiate the ninja saboteurs. Here we go. <sighs> Throwing stars. Out. <sighs> Blow it up. Do whatever you got to do. Get it gone before they can get you gone. And I know you've all been there. Whether you're a teenager listening to this, 20-something, 30-something, 60-something, it doesn't matter. We've all been there. We've all done that in some way, shape, or form. So I'm going to circle back to my beginning with the energy. It's really important that we understand our own energy, that we understand our own process. But it's really hard to understand our own process because we are as close as we can possibly be. We are with ourselves 100% of the time. We are in our own brains. We're seeing life through our own eyes at all times. How do you get that perspective? How do you get what I refer to as that three foot of space, that distance of, from yourself so that you can just kind of see enough of your own way to observe how you deal with things, who you are, what happens. So in the creation, in all of that, it's exciting. It's thrilling. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care if you're making art, if you're throwing paint on a canvas, if you are welding something, if you write something, if you build sand sculptures, or I don't even know. There's so many ways that you can create. Are you an illustrator, a doodler? Do you make collages? Are you a photographer? There's all kinds of ways to create. Do you sing? Do you play an instrument? Do you make instruments? How about woodwork, metalwork, jewelry, pottery? All of these things are ways in which we can utilize our energy. So. Go back to the last episode with emotions and getting curious about your emotions and how do you do that? What's your relationship to your emotions? But not about getting into the story of your emotions because, okay, here's a trick. Here's where we can sabotage ourselves. When we create the story, the storylines around our emotions, we feel certain things. We say certain things, we do certain things, and we're going to do them habitually because why I believe we are here is to learn. We need to learn 
our own process. We need to see it through the dark and through the light, the yin and the yang, the, the reflection, the absorption, the repulsion, the attraction, the bipolarness of it all, the polarity. We're here to experience it all. And in experiencing it, you have to fall out of balance. You have to. There is no uncertain terms. You have to fail. It's the only way to learn. And it's incredibly important. But we are afraid to fail. We are not encouraged to fail. We are only encouraged to succeed. But you do not learn from success. You never learn a thing from success. You only learn from our failures. So here you are with your emotions and you start to feel things, but feeling is not an emotion. Feeling is a connection to the emotion, if you will. So friend of mine used the example of a flower and you can have a feeling about a flower. Now go back to, let's say you lost that parent. You might have seen calla lilies at that funeral. And now you might have a feeling about that flower. You might now connect calla lilies with death. Did the calla lily be, was it born? for death? No, it became a symbol of it. The flower didn't do anything to you. You didn't do anything to the flower. You have a connection to it. You have a feeling about it. And you now relate that to an emotion. But that's not what's going on. You've created a whole story around it, an energy. So now how do you get out of that feeling? How do you, how do you backtrack, unwind, calm down? Like, because now you might be in fight or flight. You might be freaking the fuck out. And you might not even know why. So what do you do when you're freaking out? You've got anxiety. You've got depression. You're, you're panicked. You got to come out of it. And the only way you can do that is calm yourself down. And all of this might have all happened as you're completely and totally alone. But more than likely, it happened with somebody in the space. So now you're going to start responding to those people as though they created the feeling. But they didn't. They're like that flower. They're just there and you've attached something to them. But this is all happening inside of you. And you know what's really cool? It's all happening inside of you. So therefore, you have the power to change this inside of you. And you get to watch how it changes those outside of you by doing nothing with those outside of you, by only doing something inside of you. But that's something I'm going to get into more and more. But here I am creating this podcast. And with the very first one, 
Oh, God. Wow. My heart was racing. Hands shaking. Sweating. Oh, God. Oh, God. I did it. Oh, God. Vulnerability hangover. Ah, no, what have I done? All this judgment that can be coming at me will be coming at me. It's guaranteed. You're making judgments right now about what I'm saying. Good or bad doesn't matter. And I'm actually loving that I am sitting in my own home completely alone because I'm speaking from my space and I'm sharing my thoughts and you're having your judgments, but I'm not interpreting them because I don't see them. I know you're having them. I've been a teacher. I was trained as a teacher, an elementary school teacher. I was teaching until the bureaucracy got to me and I knew I couldn't do this. So anyway, I know the judgment that comes in. I've seen it in every classroom that I walk in, whether they know me or they don't know me. There's an immediate perception, an immediate judgment. Some think, ooh, cool, hey, yeah. Some think, what the, mm-mm, no way. Others are like, yeah, try me, bitch. Whatever their judgment is, it's their judgment. So as you judge me, it's not about me. Now I'm just that flower. I'm just that thing that you've attached something else to that's going on inside of you. But I hope to God I'm triggering you. I want to trigger you like nobody's triggered you before. Why? Because that means I'm getting to you. That means you're getting to you. That means you're doing the work. If you get to those triggers, think about a trigger. Think about a trigger on any weapon. I don't care if it's crossbow, a gun, whatever. Triggers are only able to do their thing if you pull them. Is your weapon loaded? What's it loaded with? And where was that wound coming from? And are you initiating the same wound over and over again? Are those triggers coming up because they're trying to tell you something, just like your emotions? They're, they're the, the road signs, but the triggers are like the exclamation point road signs. They're the ones that proceed with caution. Something is alive here. Something that really wants to be heard. Something that really wants to be seen, aired. There's something there. And again, I'm going to encourage you to just observe yourself. Don't judge yourself. Don't judge these triggers. Don't judge me for those triggers. I mean, yeah, you're going to flat out. You're going to. You're going to say, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Or you might say, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Or, you, oh God, there's so many judgments. I don't even want to go there. Don't even need to. I just know judgment happens. And we need to work with what is there. So I'm actually encouraging the haters. I'm looking to challenge myself because 
those haters are going to come at me. Those haters have come at me my entire life. I have been hated for just walking in the room. I don't know what it is. It's something about my personality, the way I look, the way I present. I don't know what it is. I just know it's for real. People, wow, the barbs come out. And I don't mean that in terms of Barbara's. I guess, hey, maybe I've coined a new type of Karen or something. The barbs come out. They come out and they... They have some zingers, man. And it's not about me. But I always thought it was. I really thought when they were hating on me that I was doing something wrong. God, what am I doing? How can I do it differently? And my people-pleasing went through the roof. Can I make it safe? How can I make it more comfortable? How can I please them? How can I make them like me? You can't. I can't. And that's what my process has done. Is I've come around to understanding that those barbs, those Barbies, those like, oh my God, <laughs> those girls, mm, girls can be bitches. And that's why I navigated towards the guys. I think that's why I like the guys. I, I had, I didn't have girlfriends until, mm, well after college. I mean, I had girlfriends and they were okay and this, that, the other thing, but they never stuck around. They, whatever. It's the guys. Like I could totally relate to guys, man. There was something about if they had an issue, they could come to complete blows and within minutes have their arms around each other saying, I love you, man, and let's have a beer or whatever. Like they just get over it. Girls, mm-mm, mm-mm. Man, there are some bitches out there. And you know who you are. You know who you've been. I've been them too. And yet, being a bitch, I've had to come to terms with my own inner bitch and how she's served me. And I'm going to ask you to look at your own inner bitch and see where it's served you. Because I'll tell you, my inner bitch has not only saved my own ass, saved my friends' asses. And I mean that literally. I mean, when my bitch comes out, dude, I'm in high protective mode. And whether it's of myself or of those that I love around me, there's something that I'm seeing as a threat. And I'm not about to let anything happen to my friends, to my loved ones when that happens. But it's gotten out of control at times. So there's my relationship to myself. What does that look like? Well, it used to be 
when somebody called me a bitch, it was like, oh my God, I'm a bitch. Oh my God. How can I please them? How can I make them like me? How can I stop doing that? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope. Somebody hollers from the back. You're a bitch. Hey, how'd you find out? I know, right? Is where I've come to. And I am a lot of other things too. I'm a sweetheart. I'm a cuddler. I could be a laugh riot. I can be completely politically incorrect. I can be a bumbling idiot. I can be all kinds of things. And just because somebody calls me a bitch does not mean that is the only thing I am. So I want you to also look at yourself and see what else you are. See the different roles you are. See what happens when the haters come out for you. What do they hate about you? I think that's my dog in the background talking as well. But I want you to protect your energy. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about how this is all happening inside of yourself. And if this is happening inside of yourself and you start to get out of control, well, what's the most important thing? Your high vibe. I want you to make your high vibe your highest priority. What does that mean? It means walking away from the toxicity. It means walking away when things feel like crap. Does that mean that you turn the other cheek? Yep. Yep, it does. Does it mean sometimes you ignore the crappy news that you're hearing? Yep. It means shut it off. It means your high vibe has got to be your highest priority. Protect your energy. It's one of your most important currencies. Your energy, where you put it, what you invest it in. It's incredibly important. So I think that that's going to stop this episode. So it's a little longer, a little shorter, a little, I don't know. I'm still flying by the seat of my pants and I'm building the plane as I fly it. So welcome to the air. For now, I'm out and you're in charge.